It's time for Loud Pipes. The podcast that brings you the best conversations relating to motorcycles, the riding experience, and other motoring adventures. Here are your hosts for this episode, Rich Warfield, Rico Hogan, and John Maracle. Loud Pipes, episode 163. We got a full house tonight, fresh off of a second track day. John's been to the mountains, and Rico's been to Niagara Falls, <laughs> at least in spirit. Yeah. Brother Hogan, how the heck are you? Man, another night in paradise, baby. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. How are you? I'm doing it good. I'm hanging in there by a thread, but you know, brother's maintaining his sanity from time and time again. Hey, you know, it fluctuate, but you know, it's good. If you have a thread, you have a chance, right? That's right. <laughs> That's right. All right. What What's is, been up with you, Pimpin'? What is in your glass? We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Man, I'm drinking a yingling. Oh, nice. Lager. That might be all three of us, but first let's ask Johnny John, the riding fool. What's up, buddy? Not much, man. Yeah, see, you got some rubber laid out this past weekend. We laid out some rubber. Are you drinking a yingling too? Sure, man. Awesome. Because I am also drinking a yingling. Oh, must be left over from yesterday's track day. <laughs> it was. I didn't, I didn't drink any when we were done. Oh, were you a little tired? I was, I was. All right. All right. Let's do one quick reminder. We'll get right to that fantastic topic. So just remind everyone about our twisted road contest. We're still accepting entries for a free rental day. And also just keep in mind that this is only available in the U S so apologize, apologies if you're outside of the United States and we're taking entries on that free rental day by finding on twistedroad.com. You need to locate a 2017 Yamaha FJ09. You need to email us to feedback at rwstudios.com. Let us know what color it is and how much it costs per day. We will draw it at random. The next show that comes after July 17th. Sound good? Sweet, man. Perfecto mundo. All right, new topics. <laughs> I think we should Man, start did, there. <laughs> did, did that bike get faster? <laughs> it's getting quicker by the day. Except when it's hot. And we will get to that. So, yes, right, right, completed right. my second track day. Oh, man. Rico, John, I can't tell you guys enough. Like, I know I've gotten the sport bike bug kind of later in my riding career, but man, it, it bit hard. <laughs> the thing is dug in, huh. dug in deep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's in. coming over to the dark side. Dug <laughs> in deep. Luke, I am your, I am your father. <laughs> <laughs> nice. How many younglings? Just, just for a count. Bruh. Uh, okay. So <laughs> I started out with two oh, chocolate no. martinis. <laughs> And I had a, a mojito after that, and now I'm drinking that Yingling. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting tonight. Pippin beer after all that liquor. Hmm. 
I know it's, it's not a pretty story, but it's it's nonetheless it's there and it's in your face. Yep, and uh, you're about to hear it. <laughs> All right. Well, I didn't need any of that yesterday at Carolina Motorsports Park. My second trip to that track, and this time was with a company called Sport Bike Track Time. And as you recall, the first visit was by uh, N2, N2 track days. So, so what was the difference between the two? Well, the biggest difference is, and I think we talked about this in a prior show, is this was very structured. You know, there was a lot of process and structure to the way they ran the track day, especially for the novice class. And it almost feels like this is the, the level of detail I needed the first outing. Because okay. I think I, John, you can keep me straight on this. I think I had sort of mentioned that although I felt I went fast the first time, I think I went faster than I should have, if that makes sense. Yeah, I can understand that. So sort of like, you know, going faster than you should before you have some of the basics, I guess is what I'm getting at. Right. Walk right. before you run. Yeah, walk before you run kind of thing, but. It was still a great day. I mean, the first, the first outing, you know, you're not going to, you don't get to repeat your first outing. So it was still fun. I still had a blast, but the structure here was, was really well done. And we'll go through that here in, in a moment. Oh, sorry. I'm sipping on my yingling. Okay. <laughs> Waiting for the next comment. Mm-hmm. Well, first I want to talk about the weather because, oh Lord, was yeah. it hot. No, 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 no. It wasn't hot. Man. If if it was anything like my day, it was super hot. And you were in leathers on the track, on the bike. Yeah. It had to be extra, extra hot. Well, on the track was the coolest part of the day. You know, I didn't I didn't want the laps to end because while you're out there clicking off laps, that was the I was I'll say that's the cool was the coolest part of my day, other than showing up at seven AM. So it was probably close to 90, if not in the 90s, humid as all get out. And yeah, I just sweat buckets. So you lost a few pounds? I think so. Yeah, even my my watch fit a little different today when I put it on. What? Oh, shit. Skinny. What's up, skinny? Skinny mini. (laughs) (laughs) So the, um, the, yeah, the heat part, because we had a lot of interruptions, there were, there were, what felt like quite a few people who went off and went down on the track, which resulted in red flags and sessions being ended early or sessions being stopped and restarted. Uh, We also had an interruption for lightning. We didn't actually end up getting any rain, but there was a thunderstorm that got real close and the lightning kind of shut things down for a while. So there was some of that. So when you're, you're suited up, you get out on, pit road you're kind of sitting there of course that's hot and then you get underway and then you cool down because you have a lot of airflow and the suit's perforated so that was fine and then you get about two or three laps into it someone has a spill then you go back to sit on pit road and oh man was that hot (laughs) now i'm sitting there you know head to toe leather on the asphalt on a bike that's now up to operating temperature and you're just sitting there baking just waiting for them to send you back out. It's like, okay, send me back out on the track or I'm going back to my little shade tent. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I'm not sitting here any longer. <laughs> Man, so how long do you end up sitting out there? 
before they sent you back to your tent or started up again? I think there were two sessions we ended up hitting pit road and it was, I don't know, it was only a couple of minutes each, but it felt like an eternity just due to the heat. Imagine. Yeah. yeah. And you probably caught your bike wire sitting there or I hope you did. Yeah, we did after a little bit. Cause you know, you pull in and you're all in formation and you know, nobody gives you any signal initially. So you just leave it running thinking you're going right back out. But then after, you know, after you about 30 seconds or so you realize, okay, we're not going right back out. So then everyone starts shutting the bikes down. Right. Yeah. Now, now could you get off your bikes while you're on pit road or you were supposed to stay on? Yeah, we did. So I got off and ape and I were talking, you know, a little bit while we we're there, which is pretty cool. Sweet. So he was in novice class as well. He was. Yeah. He missed the first session. He showed up a little late, but he did make it in and, uh, they allowed him to run. He, you know, he did have to go back through the, the intro class and all that stuff to get up to speed, but you know, he, okay. he was able to join. Sweet. Yeah. So that's a good transition. Let's talk about the format and what was different and what I really liked. Okay. So what they split, they have the, you know, the, the starting meeting, I guess you call it your riders meeting or safety briefing. That was at eight, like eight twenty in the morning and pretty similar to what was done at N2. And then they split up the groups. So uh, sport bike track time, which I'll just call STT going forward to keep it simple. They then break up the groups, you know, the advanced group, you go talk to your lead instructor and, and the intermediate group does the same. And then the novice group goes to the classroom. So that was already the first change. You know, my first track day, there wasn't really a classroom. There was a little novice, there was a little extra novice meeting and then you were kind of sent out. And then it was more like an open track day at that point you know, help if you needed it, but, but a little less structured. So we started in the classroom, got a real nice introduction to the track, the format, how the day's going to progress, you know, sort of what they expected of us and what we can expect of them. And then they broke the novice group up into, I think six different groups, um, kind of like five, six, five to six bikes per group, which was, which was a lot nicer to get out there in a smaller group, all following one, you know, lead rider, coach, instructor, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but they kind of all broken up into groups. So that was neat. So the morning session, it was all, so there was classroom, then on track time, followed by more classroom and on track time. And that went right up until the lunchtime hour. And then after lunchtime, we finished with one more classroom session and then it was open, kind of open sessions from there with, you know, full passing and all that stuff. So in e- passing? What's that? Is it passing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're allowed to pass, for sure. In the turns as well? Um, in the turns, later in the day, you could do it only on the outside. So you couldn't okay. make any, you know, you couldn't dive bomb inside of somebody to make a pass. But if you were faster... And you could go around on the outside, you could pass them. Which mm-hmm. which I thought was a neat way of doing it because I had an experience where um I kept getting caught behind kind of the same rider who was not as quick as me in the corners, but they also had a six hundred, so I couldn't get around them down the straightaway. You know, so I was kind of in this kind of stuck in this rubber band mode of okay, we're similarly matched down the straightaway, but at the corner I'm quicker. But I can't get through because I'm not. I can't die bomb on the inside, and you know, not confident enough yet to go around the outside. 
So, hmm. but that's all right. You need Uncle Rico with you. No, I, I ended up working with it. So all I did was I just backed up the corner. You know, just slowed down, basically slowed down my straightaway so that I could get the corner speed that I wanted. Because I was working on nice. My goal for this session was corner comfort and trying to get some extra lean in the bike and, you know, and a little bit of body positioning. Cause I, after seeing my pictures from the first track day, I'm like, I'm straight up and down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look at that pogo stick going through the corners. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So I, I just, just backed off on a straightaway speed. That way I could enter the corner the speed I wanted and still work on what I was working on. So it, it was only a hindrance for straightaway speed, but that's not what I was there to work on. So it didn't matter. Right. Yep. So let's back up and let's, let's back up. Let's talk about your bike preparation. what do you have to do to prepare the bike uh, for the track today or yesterday? Not a lot to go around because it was, you know, I spent a lot on the maintenance and prep before the last track day. So it already had new tires, new brakes, fresh oil, all that stuff was done. Things were safety wired. So the prep this time after I fixed the water pump leak, that was the main repair. (laughs) So the, the high pressure relief on the water pump was weeping. And I finally tracked that down and, and replaced it. Simple repair, $40 part, no big deal. So I got that fixed. They still make parts for that, huh? I think that water pump is used on everything. Because <laughs> I looked at some <laughs> other bikes at the track, some other Yamahas, and I'm like, that cover looks the same. And it was manufactured in 2017, so yeah, somebody's still making these parts, which is cool. Uh, let's see. Then, then just basic um, uh, track prep after that. Unhook, unhook all the lights, tape over the headlights, and turn signals, take the mirrors off, uh, put my number on, which... Um, STT didn't require a number, so that was kind of just kind of my own vanity at that point. But I still put 200 on it and sent it out. But yeah, that was it. Very, very little prep this time. And the next track day is going to be even less because I'm just going to leave it parked (laughs) until the next (laughs) time. (laughs) Nice. Put it on the trickled charger, wipe it down, and cover it up. (laughs) So get it up on the stands and let her be. Yeah, you just sit there and hang out. But it does need it does need some carb work. And I'm, next winter, next winter, this coming winter, I'm going to have to tackle that. I'm going to have to pull them off and, and do something. Right. Because there was one session in the day, I'm trying to think, maybe it was the first one after lunch. Man, she, she didn't want to run. And I don't know if it was just from sitting in the sun between the session that ended at noon and then the next time we went out at one, well, it would have been one forty. It just, I couldn't get any power out of it. It just bogged off the corners down the straightaway. I couldn't even, I couldn't even max out second gear, which was kind of upsetting. <laughs> so I started riding it like a 300, you know, just doing a momentum corners, you know, keep the corner speed up and, get in the throttle earlier and try to build a little more speed down the straightaway. But I don't know what it was. It just, it just didn't want to run. And then after that, it was fine. But that one session, it just, just bogged, which was kind of weird. So I just yeah. chalked, chalked it up to the bike being sitting in the heat, maybe heat soaked. 
Yeah, it it I noticed what even you know in the early years of riding that bike, it when it's like super hot the way it was that day. Yeah, mm-hmm. it struggled with power. I think all bikes when it gets to a certain temperature, when you can't get that cool air inside, yeah, it's, they, there's uh, some power loss um, um, that takes effect. Um, so yeah, it's a struggle. Yeah, and like I said, after that session, it was uh, it was fine. Actually, ran really good after that. I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of like maybe the bike knew I was a little angry because then next time we went out, I was like, all right. We're going to get you up in the power band where you like to run, and that's where you're going to stay. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to shift you at 14 and hold it there. Yeah, yeah. So I did a little quick shifting on this time, this track day, too. So tell me about how quick you were and uh, what improvements have you made since the first time? I think the main improvement was corner comfort. And I have to thank our... Our coach, you know, our lead rider, Joe, and apologies, Joe, if, if you're listening, I, I didn't grab your last name, but, you know, he gave me a lot of good tips. And the, the main tip that I got from him was just, he felt I needed to relax. So it's the way I described what I was going through sounded like I was too tight on the bars, which is something I, I sort of knew, but I didn't know how to articulate the whole issue, if you know what I mean. So that's what he was saying is hold on to the bike more with my body. As you and I have talked about, you know, get your leg locked into the tank, get your feet in the right position, you know, shift your body slightly left or right of center, depending on the corner. And then just loosen up on the grip, you know, just push left to go left, hold yourself up with your body. And the more I did that, the more I loosened up my grip and kind of just let the bike fall more by itself. Right the better the better and better the corners got and the proof is in the tires <laughs> the <laughs> tires will tell you exactly what kind of day i had <laughs> yeah i think once you get comfortable with taking the corners at speed or at faster speeds um and knowing that the bike will stick on you if you allow it to and just trust that the tires are going to grip the track then you're good you have more confidence in your rider, but if you were squirrely or whatnot, yeah, you'll still be white knuckled all around the track no matter what. Yeah, and that's what I was doing more so to the left than to the right for some odd reason because the the coaches had described that most people struggle turning to the right because you need to it's harder to manipulate the throttle. But for me it's the other way. For some reason to the left I'm super stiff and I could feel it in my left hand. It's like, okay, my hand is feeling sore. <laughs> I must be gripping the heck out of this thing. Right. But yeah, that was cool. So I felt a lot better in the corners. Um, Ape, who was there with me, he followed me a couple of times and that he had made that comment that he said, I was kind of complaining to him about struggling. And he's like, no, dude, he's like, you're quick in the corners. He's like, you're quicker than me. Um, But take that with a grain of salt. You know, he has, I think he's been off the track for about a year, he said. So he's still getting back to it. Right. But still, I thought that was cool from him to hear that he thought I was. He thought I looked good in the corner, so. Uh-huh. But, oh, that How Aprilia cool he has, Rico, that RSV Melee, the twin. Uh-huh. Ooh. I had nothing for that down the straightaway. <laughs> <laughs> We're coming into the corners, like, when I started following him, and I would be, like, sucking up his exhaust pipe, and I'd be getting it wound up off the corner, and it would just uh-huh. be like, blah, blah. Mm. That, that big twin would just 
all the mail and I'm back there wringing the neck of that R6 for all it's worth. It's just like, well, I'll see you at the next corner. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll catch you. I'll catch you. <laughs> wait for me. Wait for me. <laughs> oh, that wow. thing was sweet, man. Sounded sweet. I can imagine. So that was fun. And it, the, the smaller classes, I also felt helped you stay in touch with the coach. So I could see the coach more. I could see the line they were taking, you know, look at, at how they're going around the track. And I just learned a lot more on this session than I did the last one, regardless of how, regardless of what kind of speed I put down, I just learned a lot more and felt better about the whole process. Tell us about what you learned. Uh, so how can you apply that to the street? If you were to ride the same style of riding you did on the track on the street. The the main tips I'm going to take is the body positioning and just relaxing on my grip. You know, trust the bike, use your body, relax the grip. That's kind of the three I kept saying as I was going around the track. And I found myself doing that on the street even before I was at the track because who was I talking with? Somebody was telling me about that, that my grip might be too tight. So I started watching for it on the street even before I got to the track. But now even more so that I've put it in practice, I can also put that in practice, I think, on the street. Use your legs. Use your body, man. Use your body. Yeah. <laughs> That's my tip. Use your body. <laughs> so much fun. Uh, let's see. What else was I working on? Well, I did talk about uh, more lean angle, so I have pictures of the tires to show that. Okay. And I was pretty good. I felt I was good last time with my braking, like how much braking I carried into the corners. You know, a little trail braking effect kind of thing. Uh-huh. And this time, even more so. You know, the, the braking line on the front tire is carried farther to the edge, and it looks more aggressive. And it could be the temperature too, but the front tire looks way more shredded and melted than it did last time. Nice. Oh, that's what you want. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh do you see the pictures? No. Oh my God. Go into Slack in the clubhouse. The front tire is like melted. <laughs> nice. All the way out, both nice. sides. That oh boy. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Thanks, man. <laughs> but that's a really abrasive track and it was hot so you get up to speed and they're going to look like that anyway so how is your braking style you do both front and back or are you mostly front oh no yeah i want to i want to mention that never i didn't touch the rear brake this time i just said you know what just front brake i just stayed off the rear entirely and i think that helped my confidence as well because the last time I had a couple of pucker moments squeaking that back tire. <laughs> yeah. So this time, nope, didn't, didn't touch it. I contemplated unhooking it, but I thought I should not do that. Yeah. You don't want to get kicked off. <laughs> <laughs> or I was telling John, I'm like, I'll just adjust the heck out of it. So it doesn't do much. <laughs> right. So yeah, didn't use it. Front brake only. Good. Good for you. Yeah, I'm not I'm not getting into it hard enough yet where I'm I'm carrying the back wheel, but it it was more than last time. 
Uh, let's see some other good tips. Yeah, the classroom session stuff was good. Uh, the the format, I guess, the way they did the classroom sessions was nice because the information they gave you had a building effect, like a stacking effect. So we covered, you know, track basics, what to expect. The first session was just like what you might call a sighting lab. Rode around the track, follow the the coach. The coach is going to show you the line. Look for breaking points. Look for parts of the track where you want to pick up the the throttle and things like that. And then when we came back in, it was kind of an initial evaluation. So it's like, okay, who who kept pace? Who stayed online? You know, who seems a little shaky or, or timid? And then kind of adjust people within those uh, six groups that I was telling you about. So if someone was a little more timid, or maybe it was their first track time or they're not seen the track, they're like, okay, well, we'll put you in group five and then maybe someone in like group six that looked better, they move them up to like group four or three. Right, right. That kind of thing. So, so yeah, that was going to be one of my questions. Yeah, that was going to be one of my questions as far as as you were riding around the, the, the track, were you able to notice some of the less experienced riders in front of you? And mm-hmm. How did you navigate around those those riders? Um, because that's that's one one part of when I was learning is just knowing yeah. uh, when somebody's riding outside of their comfort zone and trying to just do too much and in, in how to avoid you know running into them or them colliding into you. Yeah. So uh, can you talk about any of that that happened during your experience? Yeah, I did learn a little bit about navigating traffic. the The nice thing is. I guess it's a double-edged sword. The nice thing is passing was allowed, including corners, but it needed to be on the outside. But then the bad thing is it's allowed, and some people take it a little too far. So there was, I think I only had one, maybe two incidents where I had someone pass me where I felt it was inside corner. Uh, it wasn't It wasn't all that close, and you know I was not riding beyond my limits, so it really wasn't that big of a deal. But I do remember a couple times where it's like, hey, wait a minute, I'm that's kind of in the middle of the corner. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but as far as me navigating traffic, if the bikes were slower than mine, I passed them in the straightaway, but I didn't pass anyone in the corner. I just, I don't feel I'm up to the task yet to pass anyone in the corner and certainly not on the outside. But that was my basic strategy for navigating traffic. And then I did a little bit of, I call it traffic awareness. You know, if I could hear a bike behind me, I would just be hyper aware that they may be trying to pass. So make sure that I'm very consistent and, and predictable, you know, all those things they look for with uh, safe track movement. And certainly on the straightaways, I always kept a nice straight line because the, you know, the leader bikes are definitely going past you. Still there, Hogan? John? Yeah, I'm still yeah. here. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was I was on mute. So, oh. um, <laughs> yeah, I was like, Wait, why did you hear me? How can you hear me? But okay, so um, with the track awareness and writing um, in your line and so forth, if you were to take that to the street, like writing in big groups, will you able, will you be able to identify uh, uh, more inexperienced riders when you're riding in a group and being able to like navigate through traffic? Or the highway, you know how a lot of times when we ride in a group of more than six or eight, 
you know, everybody wants yep. to jockey for position and, and maybe to stagger the corners together or not stagger yeah. uh, the corners as properly as we should. So to be, to be able to identify those types of riders uh, and in positioning yourself, whether in the back or in the front, uh, did you feel that, you know, the experience of what you've learned on your track say this time around mm -hmm. better prepares you for riding in bigger groups? I don't know how much of that translates on the street. Because the, I would say the only riders I identified that I would change my riding for is just someone who looked timid. You know, I didn't, I didn't notice anyone who was trying to ride over their head. And if they did, they were already in the dirt by the time I got there. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not laughing about them hitting the dirt, but I'm just saying if they were over their head, I didn't see it. Right. You know, so, right. but I did. I was able to recognize riders who were more timid or cautious or learning something else, but it, you know, appeared timid to me. So I would just give them more space, you know, back off a little bit, you know, try not to crowd them, try not to get in their periphery. And if I'm going to pass them, I'm going to do it very wide and quickly in a straight line. Now, when you were identifying these people now, was it the fact of the dipping on the front end? Was it like the pitter patter of their feet? Was it the antsiness in their seats, or was it just how they were looking around? Uh, how did how did you identify these less experienced riders? Well, the first tip would be speed, <laughs> closing rate, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I would say all of the above. You know, you notice someone who maybe doesn't take—I don't want to say they don't—they don't take the preferred line, but maybe their line is varied through the corner. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of constantly making adjustments you know into the corner okay a little too early or late and then you adjust again and then you adjust your exit and that's that's kind of what it looked like to me was constant adjustments you know not just making one smooth corner and, and it was mainly the speed you know if you were closing a ton in the corner then it's like oh okay we get we got to slow down here mm -hmm. that kind of thing but I didn't, I didn't notice much on the, on the braking. It seemed mostly with the, the steering. Right. I know I jabbed the brakes a few times. I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> the big problem, I'll, I'll tell you what the problem is that the VFR's brakes are mushy and it drives me crazy because I have got the brakes up tight on the R6. I mean, they are right there brakes. Mm -hmm. So when you get a hold of the lever, there's no taking up of the brakes. You're stopping. Like, yeah, when you start applying, you're applying brake, like good brake pressure. <laughs> so when I've been riding the VFR since the last track day, and like I said, it's, it's front brake is mushy, and I've sort of adapted to that. So the first time we get up pretty good speed, I'm hauling it down the straightaway, and I reach for the brake at the point where I think I need to reach the brake, and all of a sudden I'm in a nosedive. I was like, oh, wait a minute. I, I got the good lever back. We're going to have to adjust my sensory to this a little bit. Right. So I will be doing that. I probably won't have time before Gettysburg, but after that, I am dumping the fluid, flushing, bleeding that thing, and see if I can get the lever up to where I like it. Uh -huh. now, now, I don't know if everyone does this. I think it, it may be just something that I've uh, added to my riding style. You know, when it comes to, you know, accelerating uh, on the straights and braking really hard before I hit the turn. 
yeah. is what I do is I accelerate on a straightaway like like a bat out of hell. And then I slam hard, um, you know, getting my angle beforehand, like swerving all to the right before I take the corner to the left. Um, I break really hard front and back so I can get as much stopping power as possible to take the, the, the corner as a speed that I'm comfortable with yeah. and then accelerate through. So that's one of my things as far. That's why one of my questions were how much of the back break did you use? I know at times you can press too hard on a back break and get it sliding out from behind you. But as you get, for me at least, as I got comfortable with applying the uh, a proper amount of break for the speed I'm going to take the corner at the speed I want to, uh, it became easier and easier. And I think it's just something that you adapt to um, in your writing as you progress in your, in, in your, in your writing skill track day. Yeah. Mm. Well, my, my strategy for breaking this time was only modified slightly because of one of the instructors talking about applying just a light initial pressure to kind of set the brakes and set things in motion before you start applying heavy braking. Mm-hmm. So just before the point where I want to get into the braking hard just just get a hold of the lever and just just enough pressure so you know that you're starting to apply brake pressure but it's not mm-hmm. really having much of an effect right right and then quickly but not harshly get into the binders apply those yeah apply yeah, it harder harder yeah, harder yeah. and then just before the point where i'm about to turn in then i start letting go but i'm mm-hmm. i'm carrying that braking all the way into right. the corner. Right. And you're applying that braking and you're looking around your corner yep. as you lean the bike and lean off the bike and through the turn. Yeah. Looking through the yep. corner, you know, just letting off, letting off. And then right about the time I'm ready to get in the throttle, I'm fully off the brake, back in the gas. Right. All right. So let me let me have John jump in here because he 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 rides a different uh type of uh, motorcycle. So John, so when you're riding um, the spider, how much of this applies to you, uh, and how do you adjust your speed and your attack angle as you approach your turns? Hmm. Or maybe, maybe just a simpler breaking question: With the spider, do you complete all your breaking before you start turning? Yes. Okay. That's that's more a goal is to I guess if I'm following people and twisties and aggressiveness, it's come in uh usually downshift twice to have the engine brake kick in to to slow down, wheel you know, wool down. Um maybe touch the brake if I misread the turn. And taking the staying safe class I took um, the practice I try to do, um, and some people don't agree or don't understand completely or how I explained it, but um, the goal is in the class is to ride the outside of the turn and not do like outside, inside, outside of a turn. Don't go towards the apex. So the reason for that in the class was taught was if you stay more to the outside of the turn, you can see more through the turn. You're slower, but yet you are more 
seeing what's in front of you. Like if you go to like a sharp turn, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. If you're on the inside of a real, there's a curve or a mountain next to you, you can't see. If you're next to that, you don't know what's around the turn. Yeah, the outside. If you start farther out, yeah, you see outside, more inside, that outside is for track. Yeah. So if you'd stay more at the outside, you might be slower, but you see more of the turn. As soon as you see, as soon as you are straight, as soon as you see through it, roll on the throttle. So that's how I've been doing it and learning. So hopefully I answered your question, Rico. <laughs> It did. It did. Thanks, bro. A, a roundabout way, you know. Yeah, I try not to break into turns. I can. Um, that's, I would say, if I ever went to two, two wheels and got on two wheels, that's going to be my mistake. Because, you know, from my knowledge, you really shouldn't apply brakes in a turn. Um, I could be corrected, but... Um, with a spark, if I'm reading, if I've gone too hot in a turn, I can slam on the brakes. I'm not going to, yeah, really screw anything up. So that's my, yeah. My, my practice on the track though is was trying to keep, you know, trying to keep the suspension either under braking or acceleration, you know, at, in the corner. So not not just braking and rolling through the corner, you know, and then and then picking up the gas. But I know, like, now in the novice instruction, you know, they stress that this is track day, a track day school, not a race day school. So they did not want us, um, they didn't spend time on trail braking. They wanted us to get our braking done and then turn, you know, and then pick up the gas from there. So, we, you know, which I did in the morning sessions as we were riding. But then as we got into the open sessions, then I did more of the, the trail braking application. That was good. Oh, so how how long did the day last for you? Let's see. I arrived just after 7 a.m. Uh, the tech inspection opened at 7.30. Driver's meeting, I think, was 8.20. And our last session, we came off the track at 5 p.m. So it was a full day. And I ran them all again, Rico, every session. I didn't miss one. That's that my boy right there. That's my boy. It was tiring, and my legs are feeling it today. And that's that's how I know yeah. I moved around more on the bike because my, my legs were sore. Yeah, that's what you want, and you'll build that strength up. And you know, and I, I was telling you earlier, as you ride more, your wrists will get stronger. Your lot, your legs will hurt. Uh, that's when you know you're riding the way you're supposed to. Yeah, that's my biggest clue today. Is like my hands and my forearms are not sore. My legs are killing me. Yep. So I definitely improved there. Yep. Yeah, it was all good. So I don't want to forget uh, uh big thanks to to Ape for showing up. That was cool. Glad he got to hang out and ride. Love that. Love hearing that Aprilia. That's good stuff. He loves that baby. He does. And it was good to to drag him out. I know he's had a busy year and and not a heck of a lot of riding. So it was good to get him out and we're already planning another one. Trying to plan another track day. Nice. Awesome. I wish you'd come out uh, and visit me. Yeah, we were talking about the, the back of the dragon, so we were thinking about hooking that trip up. Uh-huh, sure. We'll call you if you want. If call you, me. If you think you can keep up, we'll call you. Nice! <laughs> Love it. Two track days, already talking smack. 
<laughs> yeah, really. it's going to be interesting, John. You know, to to ride with with Rich and his new abilities and see if he can keep up with the big girl. <laughs> I'm not saying a thing. I'm not saying a thing. I hear you. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's it will it will be interesting to see. Yes. It'd be interesting to go and do the Diamondback again now. Right. Oh, yeah. You'll you have a whole new perspective on it. You want to do it over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, we'll you get know? to the top. Instead of me wanting lunch and a beer, it'll be like, okay, we're going back down. Uh, right. Yeah. Can we go back down? Okay, or, I'm going to go back down. Or I'm you going to go back down. Gonna, I'll meet yeah, you, you guys going to be here? You yeah. guys going to be here, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go again. I'll be right back. Real. Yeah, that's how it's going to be for you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, speaking of the devil's whip. We'll switch over to Johnny John's trip. Okay. You had a little mountain excursion this weekend, did you not? Uh, yeah, since uh, Wednesday. Been in the mountains. Wednesday. Wednesday. Wednesday afternoon. On the Headed eve out. of the 4th of July. Yes, sir. And just like you said, it was hot. Oh, man, was it? So, for me, a good old hydro pack of a camel pack came in handy. <laughs> so. Now the cam- that saved me. The Camelback saved you. Okay. Now, in what way? How much? How much fluid is in that thing? Uh, seventy liters. Or seventy? Is it seventy liters? Seventy ounces. Ounces. Seventy ounces. I was gonna say seventy liters. Man, oh man, you had yeah, a camel on your back. I put two, and I I know we talked about this offline last week. Was the core hydration water, mm-hmm. and I had two of those bottles in there. So it kept me uh, hydrated. Yeah. Oh, let me, let me give you kudos for that water tip. So I bought two bottles of that. Of the core? Core hydration. I had yep. one Thursday, and then I had the other one Friday morning when I left the house. So I had, well, I had a 16-ounce glass of water at the house. I finished the 30-ounce core on the way to the track, and I had another bottle of water before I took my first session. So on the pre-side, I was good to go. And then every time I came off the bike, I had at least a bottle of water. And sometimes I came off the bike and had an 8-ounce Gatorade and a water. Yeah. So how'd you like the core water? You know, it it was nice. It's hard to talk about water as being pleasing or soft, but it, it just had that soft spring water feel and taste to it. Like, I really liked it. I'll get some more of that for sure. Yeah, I know it's not cheap stuff, but it just, and uh, Sid got me onto it and gave me some, and I'm like, wow, you know, you feel like you're dehydrating, you drink the bottle, and you're like, oh, I don't know, a regular bottle of water doesn't get me, feel as hydrated? Yeah. That doesn't make sense? So. Yeah, and you don't have to deal with the sugar or the the taste of the Gatorade, because that doesn't, that doesn't leave my, it always leaves something in your mouth, like it's not refreshing or rinsing enough like i always drink gatorade and then if i have to follow it with something else like just plain water yeah so uh but yeah continue yeah so so talking about the devil's whip you know you guys talked about it since i don't know years ago you know about going up devil's whip and i've always tried to do it never worked out until <laughs> this weekend so uh pd which is a uh, met on amino uh he planned this trip camping weekend and went to uh some uh what are they cradle of forestry 
Parks, I think it is. So two parks into Pigeon Forest, or was it Pidgeys? You or, got me, man. Uh, it starts with a P. Oh, oh, you got me screwed up here. But anyways, up uh, so out of um, uh, oh, now I'm thinking up uh, out of Marion. You know, so I took eighty. We took eighty up, and we were loaded down with gear. So we had to take it easy going up it. Um, got behind a car. And, uh, so we just had all our camping gear and everything. So we got up there. And so we went to the black mountain, uh, campground and it was very interesting because we get going down this road. It's kind of got a golf course in the forest and all of a sudden end of paved road. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. For the next two miles was compact, hard gravel road to get to the campground. Ouch. No way. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we got all the way back there and it was nice little campground. Um, no cell service, none. Like I could get, like if I set my phone in the right spot and wind blew just right and the trees moved just right, I got service. (laughs) I'm swear to God. So, so you sat there and, and it was back to nature. So it's up tent and, um, some campground and, and PD brought a tarp and we kind of made like a, a shelter over the picnic table with ropes and strung stuff up. And he did all that, which was pretty cool. So he, that was pretty nice. And then that night, you know, we're in the middle of, and, uh, where it is, is just, it's North East of Mount Mitchell. Mm-hmm. So so pretty much storms come up over and we get, you know, so we're sitting here watch, watching for rain come through. That night it poured. Oh. Mm. And sitting in a tent and lightning that lit up the whole sky. I think it was right next to me. Oh, in a tent, no less. In a tent. Ooh. So it, it was a little excitement that middle of the night. Nice. With, with rain and thunder and and the funny thing was, was a lot of it was all tent camping, and there's uh, this family across way from us that was, I guess the lightnings came and storm, and PD said that he heard them jump out of their tent and run to their vehicle. <laughs> bye bye. I'm like, I would have stayed in the tent. I would have stayed dry. I mean, right. Uh, so were you, were you raised up off the ground at all, John? I had an air mattress. Did- Okay. Under a mattress. Oh, all right, all right. So none, all none, of your, none of your stuff got wet that you had on the floor of the tent Mm-mm. from the rain? No, because a guy, I, a friend of mine, last year hiked the Appalachian Trail. So he had um, hiked it, and when he got back, he was talking about getting rid of the tent. And I asked him, you know, what do you want for it? And he had a big Angus tent. So if anybody does any backpacking, camping it's you know it's an ultralight two-man tent and this tent's a few hundred dollars and a ground cloth and he says he gave me for a good price so i'm like sure so i took it and i mean you can't even say it's been used for four months i mean it's no rips no tears i mean it's kind of sun fade from where you know sun hit it but you know no no issues didn't leak 
didn't have any, you know, even the do, you know, how you have stuff up against the tent and sometimes it seeps in. Yeah. Nothing. Nice. Nothing at all. So, and it's light enough to pack on the bike. Oh yeah. It's super light. I mean, it's light. Uh, the rails are the longest thing you got to worry about and they can fit my top case. Nice. So, and it packs down light and simple. So now how was the campsite overall? Campsite was pretty nice. Um, <laughs> no five stars for rich. Oh yeah. I did not expecting that. <laughs> so, but the cool thing though, is that the site that he got was like one of the last ones and we're right next to the bathhouse, which he goes, well, it has a good points and bad points. Well, it was nice that, you know, you only had to walk a little bit to get to the bathroom. So a lot of families running around and stuff that so shared, you know, bathhouses. So it wasn't too terrible. So, and then, um, you know, for July 4th, uh, we got on our bikes and went up to Mount Mitchell. So very nice. I now can say I've been to the highest point east of the Mississippi. <laughs> and which, a photo uh, to prove it. Correct. I wasn't exactly at the top top. There's like another 300 feet, I think, or something. There's a path up. But uh, I was in riding gear and it was. I mean, we didn't feel like walking up it. So. Mm. Um, beautiful day. I mean, it was nice. I mean, now, you're up there and it's 70 degrees. Sorry, Mount Mitchell's on the Blue Ridge Parkway? Uh-huh. Okay, cool. So we had to take the trail out and, you know, we got back to 80 because the campground was off of 80, went back 80 south and got on Blue Ridge Parkway and took it off Mount Mitchell. So we rode to be Blue Ridge Parkway most of the day. Which I, of all the aggressive roads that are out there well not a almost aggressive roads but of all the nice mountain roads to ride i think the the brp is one of the best i mean it's just a nice relaxing scenic ride you, i mean you really can't beat it for that yeah you can't beat that at all um you know keep it in check i mean don't it's not one of these things to go down you don't want to go fast it's too much traffic too much traffic and then you know there is a lot of patrols on it you know there's a lot of overlooks so just enjoy the scenery yeah, it's you know, that's the here's, perfect road for the cruiser. You go up yeah. there, just chill, just ride the road, enjoy the sights, and have a great time. Oh yeah, awesome road. Um, and I've, I know PD said and his wife last year did the whole went all the way to the skyline, all the way down the skyline, and all the way to Blue Ridge the whole way last like the year, and I think they did it in three days or four days. They did something crazy amount of time. Nice. From end to end. End to end. Nice. So, yeah. So that was pretty cool. So, um, so when did you get, when did you do the whip? So, so I mean, we we went up it. So, um, let me continue on real quick on what we did to finish out the fourth. Sure. I'll finish the story here. So we, we're going to, he, uh, PD opened up the map, had a road map and said, Oh, I like this road 197. And he started looking at it. And so we took the Blue Ridge Parkway down towards Asheville and we missed a turn someplace. And we had to backtrack a little bit, stopped at Walmart, get food for camp. And we get going down 26 West. And here's 197. Take the exit. Get going down the road. It says, Unpaved road in 10 miles. Yeah, I remember that part. Uh, oh, you've been down it? No, I think you said that a little while ago. 
Oh, no, this was to the campground. Oh, this was another one. This was another one. It's 197. Oh, <laughs> NC 197. And it had nice twisty map, had all nice twisty roads. And it's like, we're like, what do we want to do? We're like, uh, nope. So we turned around and went back. It's twisty, but it's also a little loose. Yeah. So we did a, another section of 80, came back down in, uh, on the other side of Blue Ridge Parkway back to camp. Um, so to answer your question, the bigger ride was on Saturday is when we did more of the Devil's Whip. And we, uh, uh, Bobby and Irishman and Timo, you remember Timo? Mm-hmm. And his girlfriend or friend, Adrian, showed up. And that was Friday night they showed up. Okay. And they showed up during a rainstorm. Oh. Uh, Petey and I got back from Walmart, and here's Irishman sent up his tent, opened up the windows on the tent to let it out because it was hot, and all of a sudden it just dumped on him. So his tent got wet inside and had puddles. And yeah, pretty much every day. That's a struggle with camping. We got rained on almost every day in the mountains. It's, I guess, Sid's comment is you're in the mountains every day, you're going to get rained on. Just plan it. Well, it's also summertime in the south. You're going to, chances of that afternoon rain are pretty high. Yeah. So, uh, so Saturday we got up and I had a route planned out from Larry, one of our supporters that lives in Marion gave me a loop. And so I planned it out. And so we went down to devil's whip, which was interesting. And, uh, before you get too far, that, that show for us was in the twenties. I'm trying to find it. Oh yeah. That's been that long ago. It was 2015 or at most like early 2016. Yeah, I mean, you guys talked about it so much. I'm like, that sounds like an awesome road. I mean, it's one of you guys you did, and I was like, I want to do it. And I've I've never, I mean, I probably could have stopped on my way out, but it never worked out where I would have, could have done it. So. Yeah, I just can't believe it's been that long ago. Like, right? Three years, at least three years ago, if not yeah. four. Yeah. We're overdue, man. <laughs> right. And now I got all new horses to ride. So, uh, so we went down to Devil's Whip, and uh, it was it was a good ride. Um, I was leading, so kept it in check, and uh, stopped in and saw Larry because I had to give him his MPC certificate. Right. And then we went to Walmart because. Um, Let's see, Bobby or Irishman needed some new boots, and um, you don't have stock in Walmart, do you? No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> and uh, Tim will need to get a rain suit, so he got some frog tog suits for. Yeah, so we come out of Walmart and look over. Sky looks a little dark. We load up. We didn't even get like five miles down the road. And we stopped to put rain gear on because it started sprinkling. So the rest of the day was pretty much spent riding in the rain. Mm. And uh, the loop I wanted to do, I'm not sure what my Garmin, I had it planned out on the base camp. I uploaded it to Garmin, and I'm not sure what it did, but it got all screwed up. And because what it was, was going to do is going to loop us around Lake James and then loop us up 181 
up to Linville Falls to Blue River Parkway and back to Little Switzerland mm. was the plan. That sounds like a nice route. It really looked nice. I got so far. Garmin got me all screwed up and ended up just saying, give me a little Switzerland. It backed us all the way. So then what we did is we went up the Diamondback. You didn't have your phone? You just switched over to Maps? Uh, I was middle of riding, and I wasn't going to stop and deal with it. Uh, so Okay. <laughs> I was in that type of... Well, the other thing we decided was um, Saturday morning got up, and well, Friday night, Irishman talked about leaving t- Saturday, and I was like, okay. So I thought about it, and I got up Saturday morning and said, I'll go back with him, you know, right back with him. So I tore down all my tent stuff, and camping stuff. And so did he, and pretty much had a lot of packed away in our saddlebags, or my saddlebag. I had my stuff, and he had his stuff kind of sitting there. So we'd come back. So we were trying, I was trying to get back at a halfway decent time to come back home. So that's the other reason kind of cut it off. Um, yeah, so we went up the, I thought yours were coming home today. Yeah, I was. That was the plan. Originally, okay. I was going to come home today. So uh, we went to Little Switzerland, went up to Diamondback. So first time on this, spider up to Diamondback. Another beauty. Another beauty, but it was rained the whole time up. Mm. 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 That sucks. Yeah, yeah. Don't, so take, that, don't take any of that voodoo with you to Gettysburg. Just put it, put it in a bag, leave it on the porch when you hey, leave the house. Hey, I'm not trying to bring any of that guy. <laughs> I'm not trying to bring any of that stuff with me. There was just... You know, we didn't think it was going, I mean, I knew it was going to rain, but it was just on and off. And that one was an interesting one. And I guess we just hit it at the right time. Hmm. Um, ate lunch at the little Switzerland inside and we couldn't eat outside because it rained and they didn't have the, all the outdoor seating set. And, and yeah, we were sitting inside eating and we see this big, you know, you just see the storm roll in. You went to the inn? Yeah. In? Okay. What's an end where we've gone before and ate lunch. And while we're sitting inside, we, I mean, there's a cloud that came like right over. It was a rain cloud. And I looked at the radar. It was like, oh, okay. Everything's kind of south. We should be okay. <laughs> so we, we get on the Blue Ridge Parkway. Splash. Nice going back. We get back to camp. And then we um, started to pack up. And PD had to take down his hammock because he decided he was going back to yesterday as well. And all of a sudden, it just opened up. Mm. So, so what kind of remind me again? What kind of rain gear you have over the top, or your yours is integrated, right? No, I have. Well, I can't. I have both. Um, so the Olympia one has a jacket that goes over or in. Okay. And then, um, since I was rowing my Joe Rocket mesh pants i have no rain liners for any of that so it's over on that so i have a, a okay. nelson rig um rain suit and your your boots and gloves are pretty much waterproof or uh so my boots are yeah gore-tex alpine star i got new boots this year they're alpine star uh gore-tex boots and then my gloves i wasn't wearing my climb gloves I kind of call them my winter summer gloves because they're actually Joe Rocket mesh gloves, <laughs> but they've gotten wet before, so if they get wet again. I don't care. 
right? Um, I bought some new Cortex gloves earlier this year that I'm trying my hardest not to get wet. So those are my, you know, good weather riding gloves. Yeah, I'm wondering how my new ones are going to fare. Um, I got Alpine Stars. What are they? SMX something or other, but they're leather and perforated, so they will get soaked. They will get soaked, and I, I kind of found this is not really a complaint, but there's there's hand protection on the VFR somewhere. I don't know if it's the mirrors or the way the fairing is, but I don't get any air over my hands. So I'm riding around in these gloves, thinking okay, where's the cooling effect? But if I just take my hand off the bars and move it left, like one hand width, I feel all kinds of cool air. I have the same thing <laughs> on a spider, and it's, I think it's the mirrors. Yeah, I think this is the way the mirrors are. They're breaking the wind for the hands. Yep. So uh, we finally just packed up camp. It let up enough, and we just said, well, load up, and we were wet, and head out. Head, rode down the mountain, and, and my... My jacket, my Nelson rig jacket, I mean, it's probably about three years old, been stored away. So it's kind of, I wouldn't say bad, but yet the zipper didn't zip right. And part was, it kind of split. And yeah. so we're going down the mountain and, and we're all loaded up again. And PD's rear tires to end of its life on a Michelin Road 5 at over 10,000 miles. Hint, hint. And in the rain, oh no. In the rain. So we were going down, and we had to go down to the Devil's Whip. So. Yippee-ki-yay. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was very, we were taking, we were on comms, and we were taking it very slow. Um, he was, he was, you know, uh, the handlebars, or if you move his handlebars, the front tire had like no, like. Get a little it, twitchy. They had no twitch. I mean, he could move them more than enough and no reaction to the tires. Yeah. Um, I do think, um, I know we've talked about this before with the hydroplane on the spider. I think that has been resolved. Well, I think it's been resolved on the running the OEM motorcycle tire because we went through this one part and there's this um, pipe dumping water out in the middle of the road and the bike didn't even twitch. Nice. So I was all happy with that. So it was either the tire was overinflated or something. Yeah, and I've been running lower air pressure in that too. So, good man. Yeah, I gotta check that. I haven't checked it since the last two trips ago. So yeah, so that was the trip, and we changed campground. We had changed campgrounds too one weekend or on Friday. So that was a little fun. Before I forget, mm-hmm. since we're going on a big trip and we mm-hmm. may hit rain, Rico, is your rain gear? You have separate rain gear, right? Over the over the top. Type gear, or yes, yeah, so over, over the top. Yep. Okay, so you you're not packing. Well, yeah. So I guess you are packing separate rain gear. Yep, I have to because you never know, especially here in Georgia. <laughs> yeah, you, you, and that's that's kind of my thing. I have to think about is um, looking at the weather forecast because I actually have a textile Joe rocket jacket that's waterproof. So it's do I wear the Olympia one and bring the rain jacket? Or do I take the rocket jacket? It depends on how much rain we're going to hit. I just took a quick look at it. It doesn't look too bad. No, it really doesn't. It looks like we might hit some Some Friday. Thursday, Friday, but Saturday, Sunday looks nice. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, that was my that was my little weekend getaway. Nice. 
So Very nice. Mountains are always nice. You really you can't miss even in the rain. Yeah, and, and you just really like you know any road in that area. You just hit it. It's just like amazing. I mean, um, and I know you asked this question, Rich. Which road? You know, since I've done the Devil's Whip, I think you asked which one's more technical with all the roads and and doing it. I mean, well, there's a couple different questions in there. There's okay, you know, which one's more technical, which one's more challenging, which one did you like better? You know, just kind of because you've done a lot of these named roads now. You know, how did yeah. the Devil's Whip? How does it stack up with what you've done? You know, with those types of questions. So, I'm trying to think. I would probably say. You know, Devil's Whip going up the side of the mountain is is really technical. I mean, you're not going to go land speed records, right? I mean, you're not going to go up that road hauling hauling the mail because I mean, there is some pretty tight turns. Yeah. Um, the Diamondback, I felt. I mean, I'll put it this way: the Diamondback when I first did it with you guys back in 2016, you know, it was intimidating. Um, maybe just because I was going slower. I felt more comfortable with it until one year top. It almost like, and I think uh, Irish said it too because he was in back and he says I was doing fine until one of the last turns and you know kind of got a little sketchy. Um, so it's they all have their own little yeah. niches. Um, I guess if I had a pick, I still have to say I really enjoy the back of the dragon. Okay. And is that the um, one you've ridden the most? Or you just yeah. you find the most joy? Okay. It's the one I've ridden the most, and I think it's got a lot of everything that you can imagine in the stretch. I mean, you're going up and up and down mountain ranges, valleys, um, twisty parts. There's some it's technical and then it kind of smooths out so you can get a breather and then back into it. So it sounds like the way you described it on the, the last show or within la- within the last couple of shows. It sounds like a mix of the tail of the dragon, the whip, and the Blue Ridge Parkway, all in kind of one road. I'd probably say, yeah, you're probably pretty close. Maybe more akin to the, well, I don't say the Charhol Skyway, but that's more. Mm-mm. That's its own its own thing. But yeah, so it's like a mix of those three. Then yeah, the Charhol Skyway you probably could mix and call it the tail with the Blue Ridge Parkway. Um, because the first part leaving Robbinsville going up is very technical, very tight. But then that other end, the way we came just, in that time on the meetup is, is very flowy and smooth. And Well, that's technically 68 out of Tennessee from Atlanta. That's not even a Cheryl Hall Skyway. Well, I'm talking about when we did the, um, the Motor Nobody's meetup. Right, I know. When we came from Atlanta and then we went from the camping place up to the skyway right so, is that 68 so, so when you came that night in atlanta when you guys came up at midnight that's 68 to the campground the next morning we did the skyway first thing out yeah so i'm talking about the first part of the skyway before yep. we hit the part where it started raining that seemed real flowy and smooth yeah and then after we put rain gear on and started going down the other side okay. that seemed more technical yeah yep Okay, yeah, so, so we're talking about part, the same route. Yep. So that top part, you know, first closer Teleco, it's more, it's more laid back. You know, it's kind of Blue Ridge Parky. 
you know, sweeping turns up the mountain. Then when you come into Robbinsville and you're coming back down, it gets, it gets tight. Okay. Cool. But yeah. It's, I mean, all the roads have their own little niche and everybody has their own little piece they want. Um, I don't know. The, the devil's whip I could see. I mean, if you were hauling the mail, you could bite it pretty easy. Well, I had fun on the devil's whip and that was on the deuce. I can't, can't imagine doing it now. Yeah. On the VFR. Nah. Yeah. Or I can't imagine it. Maybe that's why I'm smiling. <laughs> well, I got the road all planned out for Friday. So let's hope for no rain. Yeah. So, yeah, so what are we doing? Bring me up to speed. Because I'm coming from Atlanta and I'm meeting you guys where again? You're getting on the bike. You're getting on your bike. Okay. Thursday. Okay. Yep. Yep. Head for Mount Airy, North Mount Carolina. Mount Airy. Mount Airy, North Carolina. Or actually, okay. depending on the time, what time do you leave work? I'll leave about two o'clock. Two o'clock, okay. So you won't, I'm trying to think, yeah, you won't be here until like six? Yeah, somewhere around there, six, six thirty. That's right. Straight through. Well, I'm trying to decide if I hang out up in Mooresville and wait for you to get through. And then we can ride from there to Mount Airy. We'll have to play that by ear. Okay. Because it's only two hours from there. Okay. Is it, is it is how far it is from there? I thought it was less than that. I thought it was like an hour and a half for you. Yeah, it might just be an hour. It's two hours from home. So, yeah. Yeah, it should be under, it should be just over an hour then. Yep. And so I'm coming up, I'm coming up 77 then, is what you're telling me. Or am I yep. cutting across? Nope, 77. And up to, I think it's going to be... I'm trying to think how they're going to have you come. Let me see. Yeah, let me just look from from the office. Yeah, it's an hour and fourteen minutes. Yeah, I can't. I can't see it giving you another way other than forty. Who, me or Rico? Or Rico. I mean, it's not going to send him up to forty unless there's traffic. So it's probably no. just going to be eighty-five right to four eighty-five and seventy-seven. Yeah, most likely true. I mean, my guess. Are you leaving from McDonough? No, the airport. 77, yeah, 77 all the way up to uh, 74 to 601 and pretty much to 52. Well, that's once we get off the... Yep. Yeah, so basically 77. So if you th- if you think you're going to make it by like six, then just head towards Mooresville and then I'll ride up the last hour and a half with you. Now, would he hit traffic coming through Charlotte that time though? Cause it's going to be. Mm, yeah. Not going North though. Well, yeah. Yeah, you will. Mm. Well, that's all right. Cause you come off four eighty five on the 77 and you just jump right in the express lane. It's free. Well, we'll be free it's... with your bike. Yeah, we'll be. Why would it be free? Because you have to register. No. Yeah, he's going to hit. I I did the Google good old Google Analytics, and uh, from four eighty five up through seventy seven, up until Cornelia, he'll have some type of traffic, especially through Huntersville. That's what it's saying. So yeah. I mean, 
it could change. Depends on traffic. I mean, it's just using historical data. So, so, Rico, so just, you, it, just in case, go to ncquickpass.com, create an account, and register your bike's license plate number. And whether you have the transponder or not, once you're registered, you should the bike you should get the be able to use that express lane for free. And if you leave at two p.m., you'll be there by eight thirty. What? With no stops. Beware by eight thirty. The hotel. Oh. Three hundred thirty-seven miles, I'm a friend. You got quite a day one. Man. Let's see. What is it to the office? And then the next day, I I I, I got you set for a nice, easy ride, Rico. The next day. Yeah, you're four hours eleven minutes to my work. Four hours eleven minutes. Okay. So yeah, so if you end up if you end up leaving at two, then I'll sit tight. And just give me an update as you're rolling. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'll do a location share with you and we'll go from there. Tell your boss, come on, I gotta go hang with my homies. Let me alone. I gotta do it. It's been a minute and I gotta go. I gotta bounce. It's for my mental health. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> gotta have it. Well, you want to take a mental health break? We'll thank some people, and we have a couple more topics before we shut this beast down. Okay. All right. What are we at? We're over an hour already. Holy cow. <laughs> well, let's take a moment and recognize the people who continue to make our show possible, and we do that by thanking the Riders of Loud Pipes for their continued support. That would be First Five, the OGs, Marcus, Rickard, Edward, Jebby, and Zion. Thank you, fellas. Slack Pack would be Chuck, Chad, and the NC Rambler. Barbershop is Steven and Jacob. Loud Pipes Racing. You heard that earlier is Sean Birch and the old man Slagger. And then we have Steve, Micah, Kenny, Dangerous Day, Bronco Ride, Rich, Joe, Tony, Jed's Moto, Scott, Tim, and Sir Mike. That makes up the riders group. And we have Darren, Motorcycles and Misfits Podcast, Kale and David round out the insiders. So we appreciate all the support, no matter the size. And if you find some value in the show and you would like to show your support, you can join this group by visiting loudpipes.net slash donate. All right, quick little update, and then I have to talk about a new lid. The Isla Man TT 2019 review DVD and Blu-ray is available for pre-order or... You can do like I did earlier today and just download it. <laughs> Eight sections uh, ranging in four and a half gig to like 1.5 gig. I think it was like 20 some odd gig in total, but they are all downloaded and queued up for my viewing pleasure. Nice. That's awesome. 10 bucks for the download. It's awesome. What? Yep, DRM free. You have the files on your machine. Do with them as legally allowed. <laughs> so sorry, Hogan. No, no DVD to share, but no. I will be seeing you in Gettysburg. Oh, so true. <laughs> do, do, uh, is those ferry tickets available yet? Ferry tickets. They should be. 
I need to check. I'm still looking at the travel company, though, for the TT. So I'm looking at that package. Rico and I have been talking about it, looking at the price in terms of what you get uh, versus doing it ourselves. So we've kind of been talking about that. Maybe do that for our first go and just let someone else handle it. So we'll talk about that when we meet in person for the first time in months. 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 Too long. Oh, my goodness. All right, I want to spend a minute on something called lidpicker.com. And I think we've talked about this before in terms of what it does. You know, when it came out, we talked about it. And I actually went ahead and and ordered one of their kits because while I love my my Shoei RF1200, to this day, now what, three years later, probably almost four years now on the helmet, it still leaves like these dents in my forehead and the helmet's still comfortable it doesn't i thought that was natural it doesn't (laughs) it doesn't bother me (laughs) um but but i've sort of always heard the thing that certain helmets have a certain shape everyone has a different head shape so i thought it was worth measuring and just kind of see you know what what helmet might might fit me better or might feel better and like i said my current helmet is not uncomfortable it's just i take it off i have like these dents in my forehead that just look odd but you know it doesn't hurt doesn't bother me um so just evaluating just looking at a new helmet and it's four years so maybe it's time so anyway the way it works is you go to lidpicker.com you order the kit this thing shows up with a tape measure a set of calipers you kind of measure your head front to back side to side and then the tape measure around for the circumference and then you submit your data back to the website so after i think it was a day or two i don't remember the duration it wasn't very long but then they send you a full detailed report evaluating the data that you sent and some you know anecdotal data that you can add in the comments you know what size helmets you've worn before what your experience has been and then they make this report and send it back to you so this report fellas is 13 pages long what? <laughs> so it's essentially a, seriously. Yeah, it's it's a grid of many common helmets that are out there, and it ranks three different categories. So it says the shape of the helmet. So it sort of marks, you know, ideal, you know, slightly rounder, slightly more oval, or if it's too far out of spec, it'll say, well, this helmet's too round for you, or it's too oval for you, based on the measurements you sent in. So they have what they feel then is the ideal helmet shape. Then they have another column that shows the manufacturer's sizing chart. So based on what the manufacturers provide in the sizing chart, does your measurements fit the chart? So that's just basic data. You know, if an extra large says it needs to be this many um, inches around, and you know your head is in or out then it tells you if if your measurements are within the range of the published numbers so that one's pretty simple and then the third one is is the helmet going to be a fit based on the measurement the length and width measurement and again this is based on published data and it says okay if you're in the range then it's either ideal or it's just in the range or it's out of the range so those are the that's kind of how the report looks 
And some of the ratings, for example, like the chart, the size chart, like it might say, you know, your measurements are at the high side of the range, your measurements are at the low side of the range. And it's just fascinating data to look at. And there's a lot of helmets in here. Like I said, 13 pages of helmets. So which one fits you? So the the showy is is not bad. So let's let's go to that one first. If I go to my RF twelve hundred, let me get back to the search here. As I scroll down, the RF twelve hundred says I have an extra large, and it's, no, it says the shape of the helmet is slightly rounder. <laughs> than my head shape so it doesn't mean it's it's bad it just says this one is slightly rounder it's still green but it's just not listed as ideal for the second one for the measurements there's no data so i and i think that's because um uh, i'm trying to remember the criteria as to why they show nothing either they don't have data or for some reason they sometimes don't put anything in the, the classification so it doesn't tell me if my measurements fit in the published range for the helmet, but in the left to right or sort of left, right, front, back measurement, it does say out of range. So if I was looking at this and buying a helmet, you know, for the first time I would say, okay, well let's cross that one off the list. So maybe something to, to what I'm seeing on my forehead. Okay. Just based on the shape of the helmet. Now, ironically enough, the the shell shape of the smaller one, the extra small and the small, does say ideal, but then, of course, the measurements are out of range because the helmet itself would be too small. (laughs) But the shape of it is ideal. So that was neat. So the other one I was looking at, and I've always heard that an Arai helmet is more for an oval, or I guess, what do they call it, intermediate oval or something like that? So when I look at some of those, one of them I was looking at, which is a much more expensive helmet, the Corsair X. Um, helmet shape says ideal, and then the measurements, you know, left, right, front, back is in range. And the manufacturer's chart, again, they have no data, so I don't know on that one. So there's something to it. Maybe a different helmet that has a slightly different shape. So it looks like a lot of the RIs fall in the, the ideal range, as well as some of them from Bell. So I'm going to go be, be go, uh, I will be trying those on for sure. Okay. That's Sounds it. Good. Yeah. Just wanted to share that. I thought it was a really neat process. It was a, an inexpensive kit to purchase. It was, I don't know, it was less than 20 bucks. I think. 1995. There you go. 1995. So, and there was this extra little thing. I got some kind of funky sunglasses, which I can't wear cause I wear glasses, but <laughs> I'll give somebody a pair of sunglasses. So, yeah, that was cool. Helmet shopping. Maybe not for this year, but helmet shopping for fit. And then once I find some that fit, we'll start watching for price. All right. Anything else from you, Johnny John or Rico? I guess we'll leave it open. I don't have anything else planned. Mm, No. Got events, though. Got events. Well, hold on, Rico. You've been riding it all. You got you got the bike ready, ready for the trip. Ryan, you mute, or did you go to sleep? Yes, I I did. I you did go to sleep. Mute. mute. 
a little bit of both. <laughs> so have you have you been riding at all? Too hot to ride to work, probably. No, no. I'm uh, sorry. I, I couldn't get off of that screen for some reason. Yeah, I was tinkering with it today. Apparently, uh, the last time I had it in the shop, um, they had the seat off. And when they put the seat back on, they did not connect all the connectors together. So my uh, trunk wasn't, uh, the remote wasn't working for the locks. The, I found out the brake lights wasn't working. And my speakers wasn't working. I was it was driving me crazy for a long time. You know, I checked the fuse, I, you know, reconnect, disconnect the amplifier and all that. I was like, what is going on? I was like, you know what? Let me take the seat off and see if there's anything loose under there. And as soon as I took all it all apart, took the seat off, they didn't connect the cable last time I was there for the recall. Uh took it in for. So yeah, so that fixed that issue with, with my trunk not doing what it's supposed to do. And I was dealing with that for, I don't know, you know, I just let it go for a minute thinking I'll get around to looking at it and tearing it apart and figuring out what's going on with it. And today I just got fed up and just did it. And, um, yeah, it was an easy fix. Just connecting the connector under the seat that connects. There's two connections, one under the seat and one that goes to the trunk itself. So it was just disconnected. It wouldn't allow me to get power to that trunk. Uh, so now gotcha. that's fixed, and now I just need to go get an oil changed, and I'll be ready to rock and roll. Nice. She's filled. She's filled up. Tire pressure's good. Tires are she's good. Cl- she's she's clean, and all she needs is an oil change. I'm debating if I should spend 150 bucks for them to do it or 80 bucks for me to do it. Hmm. You don't have time. Drop it off. Let them do it. All right. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Well, no, no, we got some listeners that say, no, Rico, you should do it yourself. You're right. And I should, and I will. So good answer, John. Good answer. I, I like mm-hmm. that. You know, so to, tomorrow, actually, I got, I, I got plans to go up to Marietta and pick up the oil and bring it home uh, that night and change my oil. So it'll be ready for Thursday. And I'll be riding to work Thursday, and I'll ride straight, straight through to meet up with uh, Rich. Uh, my plan Thursday as well. Ride to work, all packed and ready to go. Well, speaking of packing and trips, John, you want to cover the events for us and we'll we'll get out of here. Sure. Well, as we've been talking about in the last two shows, just coming up weekend, we are going to be in Gaysburg for bike week. This is it. This is the one, the meetups. This is the one. Let's see who's going to be there. You, Rico. Or this little bro's going to be there, I heard. Yep. Kenny, uh, Kenny, Dan- Steven, Dave. Dangerous Dave, Dangerous Deb. Yep, Dave's friends. Uh, Dave's friend, Old Man Slacker. Is that it? I think that's most of it. I know Zion's away. Yeah, Mark- Zion, just, Zion just got back from his vacation. I don't think Bronco's coming down, is he? No, Bronco's not coming up. He's been on vacation. He, he went to Colorado. Zion just got back from... Um, uh, a trip out to Minnesota, Wisconsin, 10 days, 3,000 miles, you know, nothing nice. for him. Nice. Little, little chump change, you know, on the new uh, gold wing too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, July 27th through 29th is the antiques on Maine and Chesney. Yeah. And then August 9th through 12th, I'm going to upstate New York in June of 2020 uh-huh. or May or June. 
2020. Uh, Rich and Rico are going to go to Island Man TT. That's the plan. And 2020 in August, I'm heading to Sturgis. Did you buy your ticket yet? Mm, my campsite's all taken care of. In fact, I'm talking about that. They screwed up the dates. You are a planner. We've already been talking about routes of meeting up. I'm trying to meet up with Dangerous Dave. We're going to intersect and Chad. So we've already been talking about this. So, but Dave's like, we got a year yet. So chill out. Yeah. But Chad and I, I think, are the planners here. Yeah. So, attaboy, kinda, Dave. We Slow kinda. down. Yeah. So, uh, in fact, uh, Sturgis was originally supposed to start like July 31st. They had date, but uh, it's not until the first fr- after the first Friday of the month. So it's back a week. So um, Lonnie's one of Dangerous Dave's friends, Lonnie, his wife, Melissa, called up and got the campsite moved back a week. So we're good. And then yeah. in September 18th through 21st of 2020, we're doing the Loud Pipes NC meetup. Nice. John is already is all over that. Yeah, got plans already figured out. And uh, we had a... Uh, a person uh, ping us and ask us if, they, if a listener can join. You're more than welcome if you're a listener of the show or anybody that listens. Come join us. Be lots of room. It'd just be like open camping, right? Or if they, yeah, there'd be cabins and stuff. I guess. Yeah, there's five cabins in Telco that you can rent. That's where we're going to go. So Rico, we're going to go back to Hunt's Lodge. That's the plan. That's where the base is going to be. And two days of riding. Nice. Nice, nice. So that's all we got. Unless somebody else got something else. That's good. Thank you, fellas. Appreciate it. And I would like to also, again, thank the Riders of Loud Pipes for their continued support. And if you're interested in joining this group and supporting the show, you can visit loudpipes.net forward slash donate. And additional information from this episode, including links and images, can be found on our website loudpipes.net slash one three one six three for this one and here you'll find links to leave us some feedback subscribe to the show and of course follow us on social media all right rico it's been a while yes sir kick stands up let's do this brutus <laughs> all right johnny john let's go later guys <laughs> good night Thank you for listening please consider supporting the show we offer generous rewards for your contribution find more details at loudpipes.net forward slash donate <laughs>